0: In the NFL, they say that having a young, Pro Bowl-caliber franchise quarterback is everything. But with a 4-12 result, the departure of hometown favorites, and a steep defensive decline, new general manager Nick Casario has very little time to decide just how true that is. Can the Texans rebuild and climb back atop the AFC South? What's the real story around Deshaun Watson? And what does the Houston front office have to do to avoid making another Texas-sized mistake? Hello everyone, and welcome to 32 Blueprints, a 2021 off-season series visiting the 32 plans in motion to bring your team the Lombardi Trophy. I'm your host, Den. I'm at Keep Pound Den on Twitter. Joined each week by the one and only Antoine Staley. You can find him on Twitter, at Antoine Staley, and you can find this series, On the podcast platform of your choice, as well as on intentionalgrinding.com. We're talking Texans today, Antoine. And here to join us is Cole Thompson at Mr. Cole Thompson on Twitter. Writes for TexansDaily.com, as well as covers other general things over on Fan Sided for the NFL. Thanks for joining us Cole and today we're going to talk Texans a nice quiet team no big media stories
1: you know no big offseason nah, hype I, right nothing at all i mean it's it's smooth sailing up here i mean jack, jack Easterby is a, is a who again I, I, I don't know his name by now i don't think it's uh it's something that's all i can
0: say as an outsider looking in you know the hell is going on over there right i mean the whole let's start let's start with jj watt because you know antoine and i were kind of discussing you know a lot of times when you get a player like that there's that respect thing of you know we want to let him go you know we know the situation now we know you know his age what he wants to do we're going to let him go where he wants to go but then there's also the other side of the token of how the hell can you not get something for jj watt So how is, you know, how is that whole situation right now in Houston?
1: You know, I I think it's kind of a double-edged sword when you really break it down because of, on the one hand, yeah, I I, I think most fans understand why you released J.J. Watt. He's 32 years old. He is coming off of three of his last five seasons. He hasn't played a full 16 game statistically this was his worst season in sack total but he also was the second most double teamed defensive lineman in the nfl this year according to espn stats and information but at the same time this is a rebuild this is 100 percent going into a new regime a new defensive scheme as well something that watt hasn't played in since 2010 at wisconsin it's now a 4-3 under lovey smith so all that changes and on top of all that he wants to go to a contender and i think that that's the biggest thing is that houston understands They're a year or two away. They're in the final year of his contract. That's $17.5 million that could have gone to the salary cap. to younger free agents, smarter free agents, guys that fit the scheme a little bit better. But then he signs with Arizona, who is going to lose a ton of talent. And I mean, this is the biggest thing with Arizona. You're probably losing Patrick Peterson right now. You have to cut more salary cap. One name that I've heard is Chandler Jones potentially being on the trade market, and that's amazing because of part of the deal of to get in there yeah. was Chandler Jones privately messaging that, him. You know? So you look at all that and you break down, well, what could we have gotten in return? So I reached out to a few people, the highest that I've heard that anyone even came close to offering JJ Watt was a fifth round pick and a fifth round pick doesn't help the situation that's going on in Houston a second round pick helps, a third round pick helps. Houston's first pick this year will be number 67 overall because of they gave up the number three and the number 36 pick respectively in the Lamie Tunsil deal back in 2019. So there's really not a big deal that comes with the J.J. Watt news. So as much as I think a lot of Texans fans are going to be sad to hear this, I'm okay with you releasing J.J. Watt because of it leaves his legacy on a positive note. Now he can decide, I think that Arizona is a contender and that's on him. And it really came down to a two year, $31 million, 23 million guaranteed deal, but that's on him. You're not trading him to a Detroit. You're not trading him to a New York Giants football team that's gonna struggle. You're not trading him to one of these teams that were quote unquote saying, oh, they're gonna be a pretender when he could have gone to a contender. At least now, Texans fans, as mad as they can be, can sleep knowing his legacy in Houston is cemented and he made this decision on his own. And at the end of the day, you may want to go to a contender all you want, but money talks and money certainly did talk out West. And I really feel bad for Russell Wilson because if he's pretty much going up against double teams with two excellent pass rushers on every single roster, week in and week out in the NFC West.
2: Yeah, I I think that was my thinking, too. I just thought they did the right thing by letting them go, and I didn't think they were going to get a whole lot for him, especially a guy that's, I mean, he's still a solid player. I mean, he's not what he once was, but he's still a good contributor. And I feel like he would do well in the Arizona scheme, especially if they were to keep a Chandler Jones, too, as well. I think that'd be beneficial to him. So, you know, yeah, that was our point. We were kind of going back and forth about that uh, to kind of switch gears a little bit. So, I mean, you don't have a first-round pick, as you kind of talked about. You don't have a number 36 pick um as well of houston so kind of what do you do as far as to address how do you address all your needs or some of your needs without having that draft capital that your customers doing or having
1: so i think the biggest thing right now is looking at the salary cap according to sports track and over the cap they're right now at about 16.5 million positive sign they could get about 9.2 million more if they release panargic mckinney and brandon dunn both of these guys do not fit the 4-3 system. And the only way I really think you keep McKinney is if you're going to move Zach Cunningham to the will linebacker position the weak outside or if you're going to restructure his deal immensely to where he's not making almost $10 million a season. All of their guaranteed money is already paid up. So that's $9.2 million that can go to guys that better fit these schemes. That goes to guys that better fit what Lovey Smith's defense is going to be. And at the end of the day, that's really where the problem was. They ranked 31st in total defense, uh, 29th in total defense last year, number 31st in in past, 29th in pass defense, and 31st in run defense. They were one of the worst teams overall defensively. And Houston, for years, in both the Bill O'Brien and the Gary Kubiak era, they relied heavily on their defense to be the top contender. And every single year that Watson went to the postseason— the defense finished top 10 in total standing. So you want to be able to get that back. I think that it really comes down to smart free agents additions, maybe under the radar names. I think the nickel quarterback position is a huge need for Houston, especially when they've been playing with Vernon Hargraves, the former top 10 player who never turned out to be anything in Tampa Bay. I think a guy like Cam Sutton from Pittsburgh would be an excellent fit. Last season, he came on for Mike Hilton towards the end of the year and he was playing fabulously in the slot i think that's exactly where you need to go i think you also need to kind of decide what you're gonna do with a guy like justin reed who is a multi-tool player he can play the free safety if you're going to a straight cover four system where you have both safeties kind of playing deep back i think you can keep him at the free if you're gonna play more of having one guy in the box and you want more of that cover one roaming safety probably move him to the strong see what you can get at maybe a name in the draft, like a Richie Grant from uh, UCF or maybe an Andre Cisco from uh, Syracuse. I think that'd be a really good fit if you're going to read down. But then uh, on top of all that, you still need to find a way to make sure you make this offensive line as strong as possible for whoever you have. And the other thing is, you need a good backup. And I know a lot of people are saying, well, Deshaun Watson, he could sit out, you know, he could be traded. We don't know what we're going to do. It, it doesn't really matter because of Watson are not coming back and playing next year. He's the only quarterback on the roster right now with Josh McCown being released and AJ McCarron being a free agent. McCarron is not going to get the job done as a starter. He's a great learning backup, but if you really think that you're going to be able to keep Watson long-term, you're at least going to need a bridge guy for this year. So you're going to have to actually probably splurge a little bit in that money. Are you going to go after a Andy Dalton, maybe a Jacoby Brissett, who has ties for Nick Cassario from New England? Maybe you go after a Tyrod Taylor with Pep Hamilton, but you know the system that we've seen there. And if you trade Watson, you still need a guy who's going to be the veteran leader in the locker room at the quarterback position to train your next guy. Because at that point, you're definitely either going to trade for one of these quarterbacks that could be on the trade market, like a Tua, like a Sam Darnold, or you're going to draft a guy like a Justin Fields, which I don't really see happening because of why would you draft a guy who has the same agent as Deshaun Watson and David Mulageta? You're probably going to go after maybe a Trey Lance, maybe a Mac Jones. So you're going to need somebody in that locker room who knows the system. But I would say immediately find your small needs on defense with that salary cap restructure as many deals as possible. Whitney Merciless, uh, Bernardrick McKinney, find ways to make this defense really thrive. And and finally, make sure that you have a backup. The biggest thing is look at last season. As much as people don't want to give credit to Andy Dalton, Dalton did do enough to keep things interesting going into week 17. And that was almost enough to get the job done for Dallas and win the entire division. So a solid backup, Pretty much means that you have, I think, a decent enough chance to be competitive and relevant at this point in the game. Yeah, I guess I didn't expect to be
0: talking about backup quarterbacks on the <laughs> on the Texans, but you're right. <laughs> looking at looking at that, um, yeah, he is the only the only quarterback on the roster. But um, you know, you talked about all, adding all these pieces on defense, and, and of course, Watson. You know. The easiest way to get some pieces, right, is to get either picks, like you said. The first pick they have is in the third round. You know, Antoine and I were discussing, you know, the there's the talk about him staying, whether he wants to or not. But it's also, if you look at the Texans, like, are are they not the type of team that should also maybe want to make a trade like that right now? In the sense that you have no first round picks. And I know you have an unbelievable franchise quarterback. I'm not saying Deshaun Watson is, you know, dispensable. But if you do want to build that worst defense, the way to do it is to kind of stockpile earlier picks than round, you know, starting at round three. Right. I mean, what's what's the what's the stance on that?
1: There's two options here. It's a yes and a no question. And, And that's the biggest thing that I think a lot of people don't understand about what is so hard about potentially trading Deshaun Watson. So yeah, let's just say he does go to the New York Jets or, or the Miami Dolphins. Uh, how, about, I mean, how about the Panthers? Fine, perfect. We'll go Panthers. Um, you're not gonna have Teddy Bridgewater as your franchise guy. That's that's a done deal. You may get him in the deal, but he would be the bridge guy hundred percent. Uh, you definitely are gonna get a couple picks in that. So for starters, you'd be picking at number eight at that point, probably get a second round, probably get their second round pick, maybe two more first over the next two years. So that number eight pick. If the board falls the way it is, it'd be North Dakota State's Trey Lance or Alabama's Mac Jones. You know what you have with Deshaun Watson, which is a top five quarterback who's 25 years old, could only get better over time and has been the reason your team has been successful offensively, especially in a four and 12 season where he led the NFL in passing yards and reset the Texans franchise record for passing touchdowns with 33. You hope that Mac Jones or Trey Lance Could be the next guy and that's a lot of hope for a guy to be the replacement of a pro bowl near all pro talent like watson so that's where the do's and the don'ts come in you do need early picks because if you have needs at wide receiver you have needs in the offensive line you have needs in the cornerback position you have needs at the edge rusher position you do need to also realize that you may never get a deal like this again because of watson's contract is still on his rookie deal and the four-year 156 million dollar extension that he signed in 2020 in september doesn't kick in until next season so all that money you can build around watson right now with no worry about paying him you don't want to give up a top five quarterback to have to restart with a new quarterback And never have that same type of tenacity. Houston's been around for 18 years. They've had one franchise quarterback. And it was Deshaun Watson when they had to trade up from 25 to 12 to get him in 2017. That's the only franchise quarterback that they've ever had. So, yes, you do want to be able to rebuild this team and make the rebuild smaller. You don't want to have the most important position be in need two years down the line when you're out of the Deshaun Watson pick. So it's a lot of do's and don'ts. And that's why I think that Carolina cannot be the team. It has to be Miami or it has to be New York because of that number two. And that number three pick is so valuable that you could trade back, continue to trade back, make more picks. And then it looks like a good deal because of three first rounders and maybe a proven guy. It looks good on paper you have to hit on all those picks for it to be good on paper and if you don't you lose and you don't even lose the the deandre hopkins seal houston is going to be called the biggest loser in the history of the sport as of right now deshaun watson could make it even worse if you miss on every single one of those picks
2: yeah, I agree with that. I think, uh, I think the Dolphins and both the Jets are really set in position because they both have two first-round picks this year, and they both have a ton of draft capital go- moving forward. What, what, my question is to you, where do you think this ends as far as Deshaun Watson? Do you think it goes into the summer, potentially? Uh, do you think uh, he could possibly sit out, retire? I don't. I think eventually, if the Texans were to keep him, I think he would eventually show up and play. He just wouldn't be very happy about it. What's your stance on all of this?
1: I think we're going to know, especially probably right before the draft, what will happen. There has to be an offer that blows them out of the water. I I, I mean, Nick Casario, I I think that he is a very smart guy and I think he was actually a decent pick for the GM role. I don't think that he was maybe the top selection, but he definitely was, I think, a top five selection for what he's done over the last 20 years in New England. And he's smart and he knows how to build a team because he did it for 20 years alongside Bill Belichick and Foxborough. But you got to get real. If Watson never will play another down, go get what you can. And that's where I think this really comes down to. But I'm kind of with you, Antoine. I agree that Deshaun Watson, his personality, his persona, his style and demeanor will not let him retire. He will come back and play at some point. It may be We sit out all of 2021 and you know what? At that point, it it stinks. Maybe Houston goes one in 15. Will they land the number one pick and maybe Watson comes in and goes, look, I understand that we are at an impasse. I may never play for you after I sign, but I need to continue to build my rep and we have the number one pick. Go get me these weapons. Maybe go trade it. Go do whatever you can. Go build the draft capital that way. I don't see how he would retire and Houston would retain his rights. And that's the one thing that Houston does have is they have the extension set until 2025. They have no need to trade him. They could stink it up this year. Go ahead. He could retire. They have the number one pick. They rebuild with a guy like Sam Howell, Spencer Rattler, maybe one of these up and coming, Jaden Daniels from Arizona State. There you go. You have your number one pick and you have a new quarterback. And even though you're paying a guy, you know what? You can either trade that pick or he can come back. So I do think if draft night Comes and goes, and he is still a Houston Texan. He will play at some point again in a Texans uniform. I just don't see him retiring, and I don't see a deal out there for Deshaun Watson. I mean, somebody told me today how Russell Wilson is a, you pick which players in the Chicago Bears you want. We'll send them over with a couple first-round picks. You don't have that with Houston, and Houston has a younger, more affordable Deshaun Watson. You're not talking about that in the same realm. So I don't see a deal getting done right now, and if it does it will have to be to either Miami or New York. I think that those are the only two teams that make even close to amount of sense for Casario to walk away somewhat of a winner.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure you guys are happy. The Russ news popped up to take a little bit of the spotlight off of, uh, <laughs> off of the Texans. But,
1: uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a wonderful news, but then about two day, two hours later, I got a text saying, Hey, what would happen if we did a three-way trade? With oh God, <laughs> well, that's no, a, come my, on. My insane mind. <laughs> and, I, and
0: I, I kind of t- told Antoine about this, but, You know, how do you and Nick feel about Jimmy Garoppolo? Because I have this, you know, red string tape thing about how the Panthers could trade for Garoppolo and maybe that will entice, you know, um, you know, what, what do you, what would you consider? I know that you said, you know, taking your, your chance on draft picks, but is there any current quarterbacks that you'd be okay with not being like a bridge, but being more of,
1: okay, this could be our guy for a little bit. You know, I am going to go with Tua Tagovailoa. That would be my guy because if you would have him for four years potentially on a rookie deal to kind of restart that rebuild, you'd free up $156 million in cat space over the next four years. You'd be able to start making that team a little bit more progressive. And the other thing is that Nick Casario spent hours and hours watching film on Tagovailoa coming out of Alabama in 2020 when he was with New England. The biggest thing would be does his film, which wasn't terrible. It just wasn't good. It was rookie film for a quarterback, in my opinion. Is he going to be able to take that next step in year two? And if that's the case, that'd be the quarterback I'd go after because if I would have multiple years to figure out his system, I watched Tim Kelly work with Deshaun Watson. Would Deshaun Watson, I mean, would Tua Tagovailoa work with Tim Kelly as well, who's remaining as the Texans offense coordinator? If that's the case, that would be the guy because of I wouldn't have to pay him for years. And if I did have to pay him, I'd at least have two years to figure out if he is my franchise guy or not. So that would be my guy because of every other quarterback is eventually going to cost money.
2: Yeah, I, I got a question for you as far as the head coach of David Culley. Just kind of your thoughts on the hire, because I'm sure a lot of people were surprised, especially around there. And um, just what do you expect from him and really the organization? Because it seems like he's been bringing some good assistant coaches in. So I do like the Levy Smith move as well. So just kind of your thoughts on that.
1: So I was ecstatic when I heard about Pep Hamilton becoming the quarterbacks coach. I thought that was awesome. I thought that he was going to be an OC candidate for what he did with Justin Herbert and to get him as a quarterbacks coach. That probably is a good sign that if anything happens with Tim Kelly, you have your next OC. I have a lot of respect for David Culley for what he's done in his career. And I have a lot of respect for him because of he was truly the only black candidate who was hired this off season. And he's done an immense amount of work in his career with both the Eagles, the chiefs, the bills, the Ravens. Is it the right hire? It's a safe hire. And that's the best way I can put it. He's like a giant teddy bear, great smile, great demeanor, great passion for football, loves to talk the game but you can talk the game and can you coach the game? And I think that's going to be the biggest thing that a lot of people out there, I, I write for, for a living and I know that I am a great beat reporter. I don't know I would be a great coach. There's a lot of people who can talk it. There's a lot of people who can coach a position very well, but then when they get that next step, I'm not sure why they, did, why they even got there in the first place. And the biggest thing of all is he's never been an OC. He's always been an associate assistant coach. So that could be something that I think to watch for. I think the biggest thing for Cully this year is showing that he can take this team in a right step, a positive direction over time. You can get these wins. You can close out games because there was about five games last year with Romeo Cornell and Bill O'Brien where Houston stayed in it late and they blew their shot. But the two most reasonable were the Indianapolis Colts game. Both games came down to the wire. Both were lost on fluke plays and Indiana, Indiana got the win. So I do think that there's some potential there. It's just showing I can close out games. I can win when I have a lead and I can take the proper steps moving forward. Definitely is a weird hire. I mean, I think a lot of people were, were expecting Eric Bienemy. Uh, a lot of people were expecting even Leslie Frazier after what he did in the AFC championship. I mean, the AFC playoffs. I really like Matt Eberflus. I knew that he was a name that was you know high on the market. So it was a wild out there hire, but I do think that with the respect he's gotten over the years from one of the most respected coaches in John Harbaugh, one of the most talented coaches with game plan in Andy Reid, and to have that backing support, I think that Texans fans need to at least give him an opportunity to show that he is a capable coach. But I definitely understand the skepticism because of every other little detail that kind of goes around him, especially what he did with Josh Allen and then what he did twice with the Ravens receiving core and the chiefs receiving core in 2014. There, there definitely is a losing to be skeptical.
0: Yeah. You mentioned the indie games, you know, Texas, um, the Texans rather four and 12 third in the AFC South winning, winning this league starts in your division. You know, I, I was sure that Matt Stafford was going to be the quarterback for the Colts. I, I was, so I'm over one in my, in my predictions, but you know, um, them, you know, Colts, of course, losing Rivers. Um, wh- wh- how, how do you how do you look at the division? I mean, you look at the Jags. You know, we, we've talked to their beat writers. You know, are, are they really that kind of one-win level talent? I think that could be a team that turns it around kind of quickly, especially with, you know, what s- is seemingly Trevor Lawrence coming there as, as well as all that cap. Um, you know, Titans are the Titans. And then who knows with Indy, you know, h- how do you see this division – Kind of, uh, kind of, you know, coming out and in, in, in who, who's swapping where, or is it going to be kind of set in stone as as far as how twenty twenty went?
1: You know, I think that right now the biggest thing is getting more than double your wins for or triple your wins really for Jacksonville. If you can get five six wins on the year, that's a winning year in my opinion for what you have with the number one overall pick. There's a lot of good potential there. I really like Levis Kristonalt. I think that DJ Chark is a very solid low end tier number one weapon, probably better as a number two, but he can be your number one if you need to. I think James Robinson is a good running back. And the biggest thing is they have all this cap space and they have all this draft capital to be able to make a lot of plays with pick number one and pick number 25. So if you want to franchise tag a guy like Cam Robinson and figure out if he works in your system, great. That solves your office tackle problem. If not, Maybe you move up with one of those extra picks that you got in the third or fourth round, pair that in with the first round pick, go up and maybe get like a Christian Darisaw to be your left tackle. You have your rest of your offensive line pretty well. The other thing is that they're switching to a three four front. So I think that that will be really interesting to see if Miles Jack and Joe Schobert work as the off ball backers. Josh Allen works as more of a pass rusher with his uh, from a standing nine technique. And then they want to go out and they want to get better in the secondary. I think a guy like Marcus Williams from New Orleans makes a ton of sense over there. Indianapolis, they are the best team on paper right now because they also have a ton of cap space. Doesn't mean they have to spend a lot of money, but they also believe that Carson Wentz can be the quarterback of the future. The question is, can they get a true number one? Is Michael Pittman going to be their number one? Are they going to bring back T.Y. Hilton? They have a top 10 run game uh, with both uh, Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor so I think they're set there and most of the defensive players are still on their rookie deals and this was a very very good defense as well so I think that Indianapolis is in the best spot but again it all comes down to quarterback play and Tennessee's a wild card because a Tennessee has Ryan Tannehill and he has been the most efficient quarterback since 2019 when he stepped in as a starter they have the back-to-back leading rusher and Derrick Henry Al hail King Henry and they have weapons. I mean, they do have A.J. Brown. I do think that they could find a way to bring back Corey Davis, and I do think that they have a decent enough offensive line, but this defense was bottom three in sacks. They were bottom three in pressures, and they were the worst team statistically on stopping opponents on third down. They allowed a success rate of 56% during the regular season. Stopping teams on third down is a massive deal today only because of you have to to stop letting them eat the clock. It doesn't matter if they get three points or six points, they're eating the clock. And that makes your offense have to work a lot faster. And it makes you have to add more weapons. It needs to make you more versatile. And they did lose Arthur Smith this off season, So that's gonna be an interesting fit. And I do wonder what they're going to do with the pass rush position. Will they go after a guy like Aziz Ojolari from Georgia? Will they go after a Joseph Asai from Texas? Will they go after maybe a Carlos Basham in the second round from Wake Forest? But they have to get better in the pass rush. And then Houston's Houston. I I mean, plain simple, if you have Deshaun Watson, I think you have a chance. I definitely think they need to add more weapons. I would literally go look at a guy like Dimey Brown from UNC with that 67 pick to replace Will Fuller's production and pair him with Brandon Cooks. But... If you're Houston, if you don't have Deshaun, you don't have anything.
0: Yeah, Will Fuller is one we didn't even talk about. Yeah. You, you just mentioned him like a foregone conclusion. Is that uh, that a, an expectation that Will Fuller will not be a, uh, a Texan?
1: I think if they don't franchise tag him, and the franchise tag as of right now will come out March 9th at 4 p.m., if they don't franchise tag him, he's going to get offered something, even though he does have that PED scandal, because Speed wins. Speed will always win. I see a team like Washington maybe going after him, maybe Carolina on like a one-year, $9 million deal as a prove-it deal to replace Curtis Samuel. I see a team like that going after him, because if Speed will always win, so Houston either needs to franchise tag him, or try to get a long term deal done with him, and if they have to go with the long term deal, I personally think that he will be elsewhere next year.
0: Anyways, Cole, we are uh, we are up on the clock. Thank you for your vast knowledge of the AFC South. Wow, I, I didn't expect you to go so so deep into the other teams, but uh, I appreciate that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I like watching sports and I like covering yeah, no, football. That, no matter,
0: that's, that's a good outlook. Is. And again, um, yeah, you know, all eyes on on the Texans, especially. You know, like you said, Carolina Jets, Miami. It'd, it'd kind of be funny to if to the Texans ever did swap that Miami pick, right? Just to kind of how everything how everything worked out with Tunsil. So yeah,
1: they're yeah. draft day. I want my so, picks back.
0: Um, and I'm on the <laughs> boat that yeah, if if he's not traded by the draft, then um, I don't see why you would trade him after the draft. You know, so there's yeah. absolutely no so, reason um, to trade him
1: after the draft. So you have yeah. that weekend.
0: So and it's uh approaching only what seven eight weeks until then so we yeah. are finally under 50 days we are now yeah. 49 days like until that. the end anyway cole thompson at mr cole thompson on twitter again texans daily.com and general nfl writing for fan cited thanks for hopping on with us and we'll uh we'll check in with you uh as the season goes on man
1: anytime guys